This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Hello, my name is Gary Ganzi, and I'm Vice President of Intellectual Property for Siemens Water Technologies Corp., a subsidiary of Siemens AG. Siemens Water develops products and services for treatment of water and wastewater for industry and municipalities. I've spent most of my career employed in industry developing products that purify water. I'm a named inventor on 28 U.S. patents, and my work in R&D caused me to become more and more interested in intellectual property. I became a U.S. patent agent in 1993 and graduated from Suffolk Law School in 2008, concentrating in intellectual property. Today, I want to speak to you about the changing role of intellectual property in today's world of research and development. Siemens is an advocate of strong IP rights because patents and other IP protect our investment in new product developments. A business model based on R&D investment and technical differentiation is less sustainable if intellectual property laws are weakened. Strong IP rights raise the plane of product competition to one where new ideas are implemented to help society rather than one where the race to profitability is a race to the lowest cost of labor and materials. Traditionally, we learn that IP rights provide the rights owner with a right to exclude, a basic right similar to that of owning personal property. The right to exclude conjures up a picture of a solitary inventor having an idea, building a prototype, and starting up manufacturing and marketing, suing infringers, and ultimately building a successful business. IP is recognized as an important way to provide incentives for these new developments and prevent copying for some period of time. But in today's world, the mechanism underlying those incentives is very complex. IP laws interact in a complex way in the marketplace along with other trade and regulatory practices. IP from that perspective also creates an orderly market for innovation that helps regulate commerce in a way that directs a healthy basis for competition while also providing benefits to society. IP in its right to exclude results in commercial benefit to society in part by helping to change the basis of competition from low-cost production to one that values R&D technical differentiation, and value-added service and know-how. The alternative, competition based on low-cost production, leads to fewer competitors, fewer technological changes, entrenched market leaders, more secrecy, and less cooperation and sharing. IP also helps to set a baseline for fair trade practice and product safety and efficacy, and provides an interlocking legal path to aid in prevention of counterfeiting, theft, loss of privacy rights, and noncompliance with trade, health, safety, and environmental regulations. Further, with respect to my primary topic today, IP provides a currency and a market for innovative ideas. The classification of an object as property provides society a means to allocate rights and obligations in things. When property right allocations are combined with concepts of contract between individuals and society, a structure of norms and rules can be developed that ultimately result in an orderly society with the ability to optimize value. The concept of property has its ultimate objective to define the relationships between people and society and the natural world. Similar to tangible objects, ideas can also be viewed as falling into the category of property. Rights and obligations in property are allocated in ways that result in synergies and trade-offs between rights to individuals and rights that benefit society. Underlying the allocation of rights is a general view 
that certain human activities are to be encouraged and others discouraged. Key to modern concepts of intellectual property is the value judgment that not only are ideas a personal human right, but also new ideas are important for the benefit of society and thus should be encouraged. The fundamental premise of modern intellectual property law is that the creators of ideas can be encouraged by granting them special rights in their ideas. Raising ideas to the status of personal property, however, has a second effect beyond encouragement of their creation. Property status also enables individuals to trade in ideas through contract. Thus, the rules and norms generated for trade and competition may be applied not only to goods, but also to ideas. It is generally recognized that modern intellectual property law has the dual benefit of encouraging new idea creation and also in creating an orderly market. By classifying ideas as property, it is possible to apply the same optimization of societal benefits recognized in fair competition and trade principles to a market of ideas. Although ideas are developed by individuals, and individuals can develop ideas on their own or through universities, government grants, or corporations, in today's world, no one of these alone can maximize the value of new ideas to society. This is where the corollary right to a right to exclude becomes crucial to the spread of new innovations in today's world. The right to exclude inherently allows the orderly granting of rights to use an invention, properly allocating value to those who are deserving based on the value added of their contribution. In essence, strong IP rights lay the foundation for a currency in innovation, and like any currency, affords a broader dissemination in liquidity. Modern commerce would be dysfunctional without instruments that monetize property rights and debt obligations. Similarly, IP rights monetize ideas by performing two vital functions in today's international economy. One, IP rights enable the embodiments of technical innovation to be available as a component of product-service differentiation, and thus enable technological innovation to be valued and sought after as a competitive advantage. And two, IP rights provide the equivalent of a government-sanctioned security interest in ideas and thereby enable a market in innovation. This, in turn, enables the financial instruments to accelerate the exploitation of ideas by those who are best suited to reduce those ideas to practice. Ideas in themselves do not translate into the creation of financial value. It's the implementation of those ideas providing benefits to customers which creates value. By government's creation of property rights in IP, innovations may be publicized and offered on the open market. Thus, ideas may be exploited through market transactions by those who are best at providing value to customers and not simply by those who may generate the ideas. Thus, IP enables a much greater value proposition than the antiquated concept of idea generation, secrecy, and vertical implementation. Because IP enhances the value of innovation, IP provides added incentives to inventors to invent, and similarly provides entities such as corporations more incentives to invest in innovation. Further, IP rights enable the collection via purchase or license of the best ideas to be used in combination so that customers may benefit from multiple innovations within a single product. IP provides a potential value to an investor who invests in innovations. Investors will invest in IP or a future interest in potential IP in order to obtain an investment return. If the investor is successful in implementing or creating a further market in the IP, the investor will receive a high return on that investment. As in any market, if the inventor or investor is particularly skillful in his or her performance, then the value of the IP generated or exploited will increase and the return will be high.
if not particularly skillful, the investment will not produce a return. The benefits that accrue to exploitation of IP are not grounded on compensation for the hard work of the inventor, but rather the value generated to customers for the benefits of the implementation of the invention by investors who take a risk in return for a possible reward. In this way, IP is expanded into much more than the traditional right to exclude. IP not only entitles its owner to a right to exclude, it also entitles its owner, or the owner's licensee, a right to practice the innovations covered and disclosed by the IP. From that perspective, measuring the value of IP by the value of the remedies available against potential infringers misses the key point of the importance of IP to society. Equating the value of IP to that of the statutory damages available against infringers is analogous to valuing a currency or a government-backed security on the basis of the value of statutory penalties imposed on counterfeiters. A value analysis that focuses on the violators ignores the overwhelming value provided by the monetization uh, and the enablement of a market for innovation. Thinking of IP as a currency rather than a right to exclude takes into account the value of innovation generated by the huge majority of the market players who abide by the law. If we view IP as a vehicle for monetizing innovation, government, in setting IP law, needs to perform two essential functions. First, governments need to set and maintain a standard of patentability such that the level of innovation required to obtain exclusive rights matches the value of the grant. At one extreme, mandate of a high level of exclusivity or exclusivity for a low level of innovation will encourage low-cost investments for marginally valuable innovations and will result in windfall and anti-competitive returns on investments that will not benefit society. At the other extreme, mandate of a low level of exclusivity or a very high level of innovation will result in poor returns on investment at high risk and will thus stifle investment in innovation. Further, governments also need to provide confidence that the IP rights granted will consistently meet the standard of innovation set for optimal societal value. Such confidence, similar to confidence in a government-backed currency or security, is essential for the proper function of an orderly market. Second, governments also need to set the penalties for violation of IP law. The penalty or mix of penalties must be severe enough to avoid a situation where it is more advantageous for individuals to violate the law than to conform to it. Similarly, the penalty must not be so high that IP owners would find it more advantageous to accuse a party of infringement in court rather than to create a market in the IP. Penalties must be set so as to deter infringement to acceptable levels while not creating a situation where IP owners will prefer to game the system for personal gain without societal benefit. In this model, penalties should have as their primary objective to deter violations rather than simply to reward the IP owner. If violations result in penalties that exceed patent market value, then IP owners will focus on extracting penalties rather than making a market in innovation. The following is a hypothetical example of the importance of IP's right to use property which in my experience is typical of product development in today's world. An individual inventor or university researcher, potentially partially via a government grant, develops a concept which is then patented. A corporation then purchases a license to the invention and combines it with its own background technology along with licenses to inventions of other companies to develop a completed product concept. The product concept is then further improved 
by use of collaborative efforts of demonstration with other universities and governments around the world, along with semi-governmental organizations who are involved in regulatory compliance testing and safety and efficacy testing. Following demonstration of product success, the corporation combines all the concepts and grants licenses in local manufacturing and sales rights for worldwide product distribution and regional servicing of products. Each of these various individuals, organizations, or entities ultimately profit on negotiate, based on negotiations of the added value each brings to the overall enterprise. Those with the original ideas profit, and innovators have an orderly mechanism through granting of IP rights to negotiate their share of value added with those who perform non-innovative but vital contribution to the overall enterprise. Society, of course, benefits because the new product combines the best innovations with the best manufacturing and also provides the most efficient local contact. So, in summary, if we view, as developers and innovators in today's world do, that IP rights are vital to properly allocate rights in collaborative research and development, we see much more than the concept of IP as a right to exclude. Instead, we see IP rights as being the vehicle for monetization and orderly allocation and of rights to use new technology to optimize benefits to developers and society. This view provides a valuation to IP that includes a positive right than a valuation of IP simply based on penalties for those who may be in violation of a right to exclude. Thank you for your time. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.